Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast, presented by Lifters League, bringing real science to the strength community. Introducing your host, Gus Cook, head powerlifting coach of Lifters League, strength athlete, physicist, educator, and entrepreneur. Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast. This is Gus Cook, head powerlifting coach of Lifters League, and today I have our coaches here, Uni. Um, hi, my name is Leone Smith, so I'm a um, assistant manager and strength coach here at Lifters League. And we have here Brayden. Hey guys, Brayden Vitt, um, assistant strength coach at Lifters League as well. You seemed pretty confused about what you were before, about five minutes ago. Power builder. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll builder. do powerlifting to gain size and strength to dominate the sport of bodybuilding and physique. Okay, so... I got, we got given, I put out a few questions. So first off, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I've been trying to uh, refine some of the systems we have at the business and hopefully now we can bring out a weekly podcast. Um, so today we're gonna start with by answering some of the questions that I put out to social media to see what people want to, to listen to. Um, the main focus or the main common theme was people wanted to understand programming more or wanted to know about programming and it's a bit more, uh, rather than delving into how to program, there's no point understanding that unless you try to understand why you have to program something or understanding the methods to um, deducting the answers you do in programming. And so we're gonna break this up into stages and I'm gonna call this a series. Instead of call it programming, we're gonna call it the athlete management series. So this will be the episode one of athlete management. And the first topic I want to cover is the method. You know, what method do we use? Um, why do we use it? And why does it work? So, let's start with. All right, so we use. Oh, where did they all that bit out? We use the scientific method. All right, so here's a Wikipedia description of. The scientific method. So, the scientific method is an empirical method of knowledge and acquisition, which has characterized characterized the development of natural science since at least the 17th century, involving careful observation, which includes rigorous skepticism about what one observes, given that cognitive assumptions about how the world works influences how one interprets interprets a. Uh, uh, Percept. Can we read it? How one interprets a percept, formulating hypotheses via induction based on such observations, experimental testing, and measurements of measurements of deduction drawn from hypotheses and refinement or elimination of hypotheses uh, based on experimental findings. These are principles of the scientific method as opposed to as opposed to a definitive series of steps applicable to all scientific enterprises. So we're going to explain uh, why why we use the scientific method and how we use it. So we if we can break can break it up into a few parts. So the first part is observation so if we get a if we get someone in we want to observe what is happening and where else does 
uh, does this does this occur? So basically, a person would come in with a problem, and what would be a common a common problem? So someone will come in. Why aren't I? I want to get stronger. So our job is to try and observe what is occur what is occurring, and then start to ask start to ask questions. So if someone isn't if someone isn't getting stronger, we need to try and uh, find out uh, try and find out why. So we might look into um, so first off we look into their history. You know, we look into their dietary history, exercise, are there any injuries, uh, uh, any medical conditions. Then we might do detailed assessments. So this is where we'll go into. Um, that's when we go into trying to gather data. But once we try, we try to observe as much as we can to try and um, question as much as possible to try and figure out, you know, uh, why is this uh, pattern occurring? Um, so let's go. Let's go for an example. If even if it, let's go for a, like a small example, why does why does my knee hurts when I squat? Okay, well we can look at someone's squat pattern um, and see how much the patella is loaded. If we try to correct, try to change the way that person moves, does that correct? Does that alleviate the knee pain? If so, then we know that the answer was, it was how you were squatting. Right, so after we do, after we have observed everything we need to do, ask all the questions we need to, and trying to um, uh, find patterns or problems, um, we will continue to investigate and research. So we'll try to see where what experiences we've had with other people. Um, what experiments or readings we've come across that uh, help answer these questions and we formulate a, high, a hypothesis. Now a hypothesis is a statement which explains what is causing the, what is causing the problem. So in your hypothesis you should be able to state the problem and what is causing it. From that hypothesis we want to be able to uh, we want to set a goal. Um, the goal of the so once we know what the problem is, we set a goal to how uh, we set the person's goal, and the hypothesis is actually created is actually created based off of that goal. So if if the person wants to come in and get stronger, so the goal is to compete at so and so, and hit increase and hopefully increase the total by fifty to one hundred kilos. What is the current problem now, and what is the statement that will get them from point A to point B? And the statement that doesn't have to be. Um, small, but it can be it can be detailed about how detailed out about how we program. So when I set a program for them, um, or I plan out their periodize um, periodize out their program out to that say twelve week mark, what stages do we want? What what do I want to occur? So I've assessed this person may have technical issues in their lift, so we may spend some time building technique. This person also needs to build some uh, needs to get build some technique strengthen that technique, build some muscle size, and then peak for a competition. So start to you know, emphasize on the skill of lifting, come into that competition. That's basically what my hypothesis is. And then at the end, we, we determine whether that works. So along the way, we gather data. So we monitor this person. We monitor their program. We monitor their performance. We monitor their 
their their health down to their uh, their gut health, their hormones, which we can test with bloods, their sleep, stress levels, all these things um, that influence they may influence this this protocol or their program. Um, and this is where you come to the, this is where it becomes a circular kind of a, a, a circular uh, a circular thing where we constantly refine, alter, expand or reject the original hypothesis, continue to and then continue to test it and gather data. Now one thing you need to be able to do when you create a hypothesis is that you need to be able to create a prediction. So if you you state the problem and I predict that this utilizing this protocol, I can achieve uh, a 50 kilo increase in my total, a 5% increase in all my lifts, or a 10% increase in all my lifts. Um, if I, once I gather the data and refine it, is that going to hold true once I come to the end of that, end of that, uh, end of that, end of that method, or end of that, end of that hypothesis? So once we've exited that circular assessment um, and finished the competition. We want to conclude about what happened here. Did that person put on 50 kilos or not, or did he put more? And so this is where we come up the, with the conclusion or general theory of what we're trying to understand. You know, what method, and in, in, in the method of science, or what evidence do we have to show that this did work? So what evidence did we gather? And is there supporting evidence? Um, is there anything to add to that system or in examples? So this is just also used with, and it's not just used with programming, but this is used with everything, everything we do. We always want to formulate a hypothesis. So when, for, let's say for example, let's go with, let's go with injuries. Um, let's go with shoulder pain. Okay, and so someone's benching, they experience shoulder pain, right? Why, why is this, why is this happening? Is it to do with so let's ask some questions. Are you having referred pain? Um, referred pain will tell us that it, if you have referred pain down the bicep, it could tell us that it is could possibly infraspinatus. You know, infraspinatus is working too hard. So what can we deduct from that? Um, we can say if we try to, for base of what we've observed before, if we try to get the lats to work more or work better, um, we, find, we, we find that that alleviates the pain. Okay, so there's two ways, there's a few ways we could go about it. Um, so let's try and test two things. Let's test, let's test just trying to activate the lat. All right, if we activate the lat, so we've isolated the lat, we've isolated the problem, all right, then we test it. Does bench, does bench still hurt or not? If the, if it's, if the bench hurt, then yes, the lats are weak. Uh, if, you know, if, the, if the pain had went away, then yes, the lats were weak and weren't active. If the pain didn't go away, then we need to refine, alter, expand, or reject our hypothesis. So let's try to refine it. Let's try to or expand it. Okay, so we've isolated the line. Now let's try to integrate it into a movement. So let's try and, we might use a cue saying, connect your lats to your glutes. Once they connect their lats to their glutes, this, is, this, creates, this helps create more shoulder stability through the movement, right? In, in bench, does does a bench press, does it hurt or doesn't it hurt? If it doesn't hurt, then we know that it was um, stability of the shoulder and possibly poor activation of the, poor activation of the lats. 
Um, if it's not true, then you can still delve into it even further. You can start looking um, um, at isolating other parts, such as um, we do exercise to help uh, uh, help stabilize the rotators with our flutters and line external rotation. And we generally would apply that protocol immediately and see if it has an effect or apply it over time and see if it has an effect once we've accrued enough volume. So if we determine that we think it's a weakness, then we'll set a certain amount of volume, let's say, you know, every day for the next, every day, morning and night for the next, for the next month. And the volume, hopefully, over that time, it will strengthen and then reassess. Um, and that's how we would kind of determine what's the, what's the cause. And this will solve uh, any problem. If we don't have an answer, we will try and figure out an answer. And this method helps solve it. Um, I forgot to mention before we have a, um, this is a, a really good quote of quote that I, um, that I've known for a while from, uh, Carl Sagan. And I think it relates a lot to why it's important for us to use the scientific method. Um, so let's, let's hear, let's hear the quote first from Braden. Alrighty. David Attenborough style. <coughs> Science is a way to call the bluff of those who only pretend to knowledge. It's a bulwark against mysticism, against superstition, against religion misapplied, to where it has no business being. If we're true to its values, it can tell us when we're being lied to. It provides a mid-course correction to our mistakes. Finding the occasional straw of truth awash in a great ocean of confusion and bamboozle requires intelligence, vigilance, dedication and courage. But if we don't practice these tough habits of thought, we cannot hope to solve the truly serious problems that face us, and we risk becoming a nation of suckers, up for grabs by the next charlatan that comes along. I'll say again. Brilliant voice. Thank you. <laughs> you say that a little deeper. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what can we deduct from that? Uh, and it relates to the fitness industry. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of hype out there, a lot of fads that we all see, and this method helps us determine the truth. Uh, what is what is real? What is not real? Um, there is no one answer for everything, and we use this method to, to try and deduct the right answer or the truthful answer. Um, and this can be a very very powerful tool um, if used properly. Um, if used properly. We can go as far as reaching the moon, or going to Mars, or building a plane, building a rocket, making a car. That's what the scientific method does. And there's no different to this with creating athletes, or finding out, or solving problems with the general population on why they're not making progress. There is no one fit, and if you want to know if something does or doesn't work, a fad out there, apply the scientific method. Right? and compare it to other things you observe and see if it works. If it doesn't work, you can refine the idea or you can scrap it and try to take another approach. There are other methods on way, ways you can find out how to validate information um, because everything we do is science-based and evidence-based. It's explainable by something that has been observed. Um, if you can't deduct an answer with the method you're using, 
then it's just guessing you're just exercising you're just moving you're not doing anything relevant and hoping for a result are there any points examples? me the one thing i like about that quote is about the sentence there where it says about um it's a good tool to sort of help keep you well know when you're being lied to so i think as a professional working with other people this is this method allows accountability so it's holding that person um what's the right word to use probably helps that person sort of not be always subjective it actually keeps everything very objective so um you can always work out whether you're on the right path whether something needs to be changed um you're not just going along with something because it's something you've done or something that that's occurred to you or happened to you or works for you um it keeps i like it because it's high accountability i guess if that makes sense mm. i think what i might do as well is maybe go through one example a full example with the client about what we do the whole process so let's go through maybe a summary of the whole athlete management so we get someone in someone who calls in all right um so we get a, 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 a in business sense we get a lead all right we try and book him in for a consultation one of the first thing one of the first things we ask them is what bring what bring what brings you here right. and then we get them to talk as much as we can we want to listen to the person about what problem they have all right they're only coming to us because they have a problem that they can't solve and where are the problem solvers um, once we hear them out, we try to kind of deduct a motivation or uh, a, a goal that they're a reasoning why they're here. And it this part is very important because it guides the decisions you make with the scientific method because you need a goal and you need to try and state problems to try and reach that goal. Um, actually, the, the example is if the goal with the quote from Richard Dawkins you know if your goal is to fly you build planes right? science builds planes um, or if you base the science of building planes you fly so everything off we base everything we base everything off uh, uh, empirical empirical science so once we've once we've kind of determined a goal, what are some of the what are some of the hiccups we pick up with goal, and some of the things that we normally try to investigate? Because we a lot of people come with goals, but the goals are irrelevant to what they really want to achieve. Yeah, I think it's just understanding their their true motivation behind why they want their goals. Sometimes they come in and they state that they want to do powerlifting, for example. But sometimes when you delve a bit deeper, they actually want a body composition goal. Um, and that's probably what I always pick up on. People come in and, yeah, they want to do this, but then we actually delve into why they want it. It actually ends up being a very different goal. So we, well, I think, I think the way we try to understand is we try to understand the motivation. And we also try to get the personal individual to give us, unless it's a very specific target, because we have to make an objective goal. And most of the times, most, most of the people that come and see us, they don't know how to objectively measure their goal. So they come to us and say, I want to lose weight, All right? Well, when we dive into further, they don't really want to lose weight. Their motivation is to look good. Mm. Does weight, does losing weight make that happen? 
not all the time no it doesn't most of the time it's not most of the time they need to do recon they need to build muscle and change the composition of their fat um, without ever really losing um, any weight at all and majority of the time a lot of our people don't lose that much weight unless they're really heavy um, most of the time we'll move anywhere between you wouldn't move their weight no more than five mm. ten kilos at most um, if people got more to lose than that because they have to lose because of health reasons let's say we have you know someone who's you know females weighing 100 kilo plus right that is a very unhealthy a very unhealthy weight to be um, then we need to physically get them to lose weight um, then we start questioning okay so we just continue to question and listen we never we don't want to try and come up with answers too early we want to keep having a back and forth conversation and listen to as much evidence as possible you may come across something early but you end up making an assumption if you don't continue to ask questions um, <clears throat> so one of the things we delve into the most is we look into their history their dietary history exercise history injuries um, and medical medical history um, this gives us an idea about what conditions their body has has been through and kind of currently what state they're in right now if they have an if they have a past experience of excessive exercise training twice a day three times a day first off why did that happen okay if you have a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter yes they typically train that much anyway because they have a very particular skill that they have to do but then you can start looking at their dietary habits where they eating enough doing that and a lot of the times fighters don't eat enough food because they're constantly trying to keep their weight down what can we learn from this what do we understand from other people we have worked with well they can have extreme metabolic adaptations to such long-term exposure of high output very low intake um, these what the adaptions occurs that they become very difficult to lose to lose fat and can excessively put on weight. So understanding this history gives us a idea about what their body has been through and allows and based on what we've observed in the past or with others or with what evidence has showed us, we can predict the future. And if this ability to predict is what is, is key. Um, if you can't predict, then you can't create a hypothesis. Because all a hypothesis is is a, is a very accurate description of the future what's going to happen and the job of the scientific method is to either prove or disprove it try to prove or disprove yourself um, if you prove yourself right then you know your hypothesis is correct if you just apply a method and see what happens right that doesn't give you an answer and you don't learn from that all right you're still trying to deduct an answer from every every single result it's reactive it's not proactive and this is the idea behind long-term periodization um, I myself, we plan up to, I plan up to, with some of my elite athletes, you know, between, you know, one, one to four years in advance. Um, and this is a very long-term prediction, but it's a prediction, um, it's this prediction that allows me to learn about what's, um, what can occur in such a very large scale, especially with some of, the, some of my elite athletes who are winning international competitions. This requires a very good understanding and it allow me to learn for other people. So if I can create a long-term prediction and it was correct, 
that I know it's a system that can work, that could work for others because it's something that I've observed and then we can trial and test, refine, expand and alter with other people based off other knowledge we have assembled. And all this takes takes experience. Okay, so we delve, delve deep into their history. Then we quantify, we quantify a goal. We quantify everything. We quantify training outcomes. So this is where we come to having a testable prediction. So I want to change my body composition. Their motivation is to look better. What recomposition changes do they do they require? How much muscle do they need to build? How much fat do they need, need to lose? What training do they need to do? And what needs to change based off what we think has happened in the past? If they were someone who is over-exercised and under-eaten, then they maybe have to apply a method of reverse dieting or may have to apply a different method where what approach could we take that will allow them to function optimally as uh, we want them to to be able to occur this change. Um, are we going to get negative effects? Are we going to get negative effects from this if we go into load calories? Right. We can try to test this theory. Like, do we think increasing calories quite high is going to make them gain fat? Um, well, let's create a higher, let's create a hypothesis and test it. I may get them because we might be one, there could be two outcomes to all of a sudden increasing food. They're going to either gain weight or their body's going to function really well with their new food intake. All right. So I want it to be, I think it could be in a direction that sometimes I think that they will head in a direction where we just need to create a healthy environment for that person and their body will start to make the change. All right. So let's apply that method. We apply that method. And then from that, um, from that, it didn't work. They put on fat. So what we can deduct from this is that they have had some sort of adaptations in the past that have negatively affected them right now. So I need to reject that idea and refine my hypothesis. I see you got some notes. Yeah, yeah. I was just going on, just thinking originally why we started this conversation and answering back to those questions. But I think why tying all back to the start so this first part needing to understand the scientific method needs to happen first so that when you do get those people that are asking how do I program why do I program why would I do this how can I do that how do I change this understanding this first part is actually key so that you can then manipulate some of those the, the tools which is the program the nutrition the frequency of days the amount of calories you might eat the change in macros you might do all those sort of type of things the most important bit, if you're not doing this method, you're guessing, right? And I think this is the number one thing that has that sets apart any coach. If you can understand the scientific method, you will be a good coach. Um, if you do not use the scientific method or do not understand it, you will not be a good coach. You will always be a subpar coach. Go and learn, go and learn science. And if I was to hire anyone that had a university degree, it wouldn't matter if they had an exercise science degree, if they just did science. I know they can be a good coach. Obviously there are other things to make a good coach, but if there's someone that can understand science, it helps a great deal in long-term success with athletes because you'll only, if you don't do that, you'll only be using cookie cutter, cookie cutter things that you know have worked with individuals and you're trying it with other people, but there is no method of understanding, no method of refining, no method of research and development, uh, so on and so on and so on. Um, Okay, so where are we up to? We are um, quantifying a goal with some. We're quantifying a goal with someone, and it needs to be measurable. 
right? There's no point having trying to understand understand small biochem- biochemical changes first. The first thing we need to do is we need to have the most relevant measurements and we can delve deeper as we constantly as- assess. So let's look at body composition, performance and movement. How do they move? How well do they perform? And what is their body composition like? And from that we can deduct a lot of answers. Um, and those are the main things we need to go. Now, let's state where they need to be first. So let's have a look at their squat bench deadlift and this determines this determines uh, um, the functionality of their movement, the, the output of their performance. Um, and their body composition tells us the breakdown of their muscle mass and fat. Now, if I apply a method of training and nutrition, let's say they're heading towards a, they're heading towards a, uh, a 50, 50 kilo increase in their total, then we, what should we see? What should we observe? We should observe an increase in performance. Um, we, want, we would want an increase in quality of movement. We would want to see that the muscle mass is increasing and if the nutrition is, is good enough quality, we would see fat dropping down. If fat is gaining, then we can delve into nutrition, we can delve into other habits, stresses. So this is where we constantly monitor the individual, we're constantly gathering data. So what are the, this is where we go into monitoring and we do this weekly to monthly. We constantly reassess. We have auto feedback systems like we have our online programming system where they constantly can feed us back information daily. And if we need to assess, we can have a look. Right. We also get them. We also have video feedback, so we have a system of watching people's movements. So we constantly have that coming through our. We use Dropbox, and we get people to send us videos constantly. That's something that we also assess. Body composition is measured every time they come in, which we either do through a BIA, which we have a in body 770 here, or through skin folds, or a mixture of both. Because the more data we can get, the better we can start to interpret that information. Um, when we delve deeper, every single time we reassess, we also have a consultation about understanding what else is going on and what other influences they have. Because these are some of the things that will impact the results that we are getting. Stress, you know, we look at stress, we can look at financial stress, family stress, work, they all play a role. The way the person sleeps, so we can look at um, the quality of, quality of sleep. And some of the things we first delve into is sleep hygiene or do they have apnea? Um, gut health, you know, are they having a, uh, a bowel, you know, how their bowel movements, are they getting diarrhea, are they um, not going to, are they constipated, do they have irritable bowel, are they, so then we look at some of the types of foods we're giving them that cause less stress on the gut, um, uh, low inflammatory foods, hormones, hormones can play a role, if we can look, if we're observing something and it's not quite right, we can sometimes get them to do a blood test and have a look at full blood chemistry, um, uh, full blood chemistry and, and hormones, and see what um, uh, see what is either deficient or not working properly. And is that a cause or a symptom or something that we're doing? Again, then we just apply the same scientific method of test, gather information, and refine. So once we get to, once we have got to the end, right, we have constantly doing this monitoring and set our protocol and got to the end, we can come to a conclusion, right? If everything was perfect, if everything followed perfectly and the result was good, then we know that method works. If there were influences on the way, the person had, was lacking sleep, 
um, had financial had financial stress um, or what, whatever whatever it is that has impacted impacted their results, um, then we know that this worked in a way for this reason, but could have been influenced by this. So if we can deduct that it had been influenced by a negative impact has been influenced by financial, then we may be or financial stress or something like that, then let's see what happens once that's been addressed. Or is there another approach we can take when if the stress if that stress is still there, is there a different approach we can take? Is that affecting the person's recovery and how and why? Alright, then you put it back into the method again and constantly test these methods using this process. Um, an interesting one, which is not my expertise, only in some areas, which is probably the monitoring psychology. This is more Leone's uh, expertise. What do you generally observe and what do you generally monitor? Um, so psychology, if I had someone coming in, in the consult, the initial consult, um, things that I sort of probably listen out for um, and want to know is sometimes how long something might have been occurring. So that's one question I ask, like when did they first notice this and how long this might have been a part of their 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 regiment, their current status. Um, I listen to the words they use. Um, some people, you know, types of words they use can also tell you what that actually means to that person or, or where this is actually coming from. Um, that whole demeanor in, in itself, so you can generally pick up on a fair bit of body language that goes along with the words they use and when you ask certain questions, what sort of response you get, how much emotion can be in those so what in you, those words. What are you looking for and what does that tell us? Um, I guess what I'm looking for is, a, I guess when I'm delving, I'm, I'm trying to look for underlining issues. So generally if we're talking a psychology point of view, there's nine times out of ten most people can't honestly, or maybe one, aren't even aware of it, two, identify it and bring it up. Um, two, aren't honest about it enough, and it's not until you delve and delve enough that you actually get the true understanding of what the issue is. Um, like some of this stuff you can implement and nothing nothing changes, and, and nine times out of ten it's not actually the implement, implementation of the tools we've got, it's just we haven't actually identified the actual real issue yet if that makes sense. So I would, they're all the things I would take into account if I'm with someone, especially in initial consult, um, is listening to all those things and it's not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it and when you get that response. Um, yeah, interesting one is if someone is, you know, you've prescribed a food intake and they're not following it, you can listen to some of the language yeah. that even though they're telling you they're following it, you would listen to their language to find out if it really is the truth the truth or not yeah and i don't like i'm not saying people i don't think people go out to intentionally lie i think in the moment they're actually being quite well they believe they're actually being quite honest like i said i think sometimes it's actually a case of awareness they don't actually have awareness to have that ability to be so honest and number two some of this stuff can be going on for years so it's blanketed with a lot of um habits that enable them to have this, not disillusioned, but um, justify their behaviours, if that makes sense. So they honestly are feeling, in the moment, they would probably feel like they're talking a truth, but when you actually delve deeper, you can see quite clear that that's not, a, that's not the actual truth behind why they do what they do. Um, one thing, I, what if I do assessment? So when you talk about measuring and seeing, 
it's it's a little bit harder to have real hard tangible facts but again what i like to hear is maybe a change in language a change in demeanor a change in the emotional response to things um, and then from that you can sometimes see physical uh, changes that occur as well whether it be an improvement in training or sleep becomes better or um, their body composition changes better um, or you know their patterns improve so where before they might hit a, a hit a, a point where they get stuck and then they fall and they have this pattern where they just keep coming around where I'll wait to Monday till I start my diet and then they fall off on the weekend and then come around again they'll actually make it through a weekend and make it through a week and then make it two weeks and then things like that so I think some things that you might you might do let's say let's put this into let's put this into the method observations because I did I did a unit of psychology and it was very different at uni on how the statistics we use to try and to um, try and to validate information for psychology as it is compared to physics physics requires a 99.9999999% accuracy where psychology only requires a 60% accuracy mm. to be determined as a, to be determined as something that is relevant mm. or could be used mm-hmm. um, but the method is still applied exactly the same an observation you observe an issue based off experience you've had in the past which is like language you've heard the same language from every single person um, who may have a very similar result which could make you believe that they have an e- some sort of eating disorder then you can continue to ask question question them and question why this is happening where you could delve into the history about where this originally occurred why it occurred why it's occurring you know the I generally would ask things if it is occurring I might look into nutritional interventions so um, is it is this binge eating caused by a, a factor of starvation you know people are starving themselves and so when I generally try to feed them more the, bin, the craving for binging dissipates but this can be there can be more extreme versions of this where people need to punish themselves and and then so they, they can binge and this is a food relationship issue so we need to create a hypothesis about how to solve the problem. Our goal would be to try and get them to have a healthy relationship with food. And this would be our goal compared to their goal um, because we need to achieve this to be able to achieve the body composition results or performance results that we want. Right? So what is, what is something that is testable? What do you try to observe as a prediction about what, what data do you try to, try to deduct of them? Is that something like the way they talk or what comes from their results? A bit of both. So I can have a case study, I could, I've got a few case studies I can pull from just um, where if, say for example, um, especially weight on the scale, like if weight on the scale says a different number, I've, I've, you know, they will cry. It'll just be an automatic response. It doesn't. And sometimes they won't see, they can't, well, they're not, they, or they can't see past, hey, I'm stronger in the gym or uh, my clothes are feeling better or... Um, I'm eating more food than what I used to or they can't see past any of that what they see is a number on the scale and that number on the scale creates such a um, emotional response that is irrational so to me when I'm doing my assessment that would be something I'd pick up on that that would come down to psychology that would be like that's that what you said before it might not be their goal to not cry when they see a weight on the scale but I would take that as a, a as a you know a measurable thing that next time they go on the scale and we have a similar response if they're not crying then i take that as an improvement i take that as we're in a step heading towards their goal 
and even in strength training, like it, it, it's important that we check our weight. So it can't be a limiting factor that getting on the scales, and it shouldn't be a problem. The scales shouldn't determine your self worth, mm. and it should be just an object, an object, a number. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a tool of information. You know, gaining weight doesn't necessarily mean you aren't improving your composition, and losing weight doesn't also mean um, it's getting bad or you're or you're making progress. People think losing weight and making progress. It could be the complete opposite. Yeah. And that's what people are saying. People have to detach the emotional part of that and start to uh, look into it further. Um, cool. Is there any other points you wanted to? talk about I think does that kind of cover everything I'm trying to uh, and understanding the thing otherwise then I'll go into I'll go into a summary no, no, I, I think basically I think it's a really good tool that I think professionals that are dealing with people should invest in understanding and want to implement themselves to know that they're doing you know the the best for their for their clients I guess Okay, so to summarize the scientific method, uh, we have an, we observe a problem, right? Then we, we observe a problem to see what is happening and where else, do, where else do we see this? Then we want to question, start to um, uh, question why this is happening and, and ask questions to see why this is happening. You know, where, why does this pattern or problem occur? Then investigate and research. From that information, you want to be able to create a hypothesis. Based on all the information you do know, create a hypothesis. You know, what is causing it, state the problem, and then also with that, set a goal. So the, hypoth the hypothesis allows us to, uh, the hypothesis is solving the problem towards an outcome we want or a certain goal we want. From that, we want to create a testable prediction. This is where the loop starts. So we have a testable prediction where we, you know, I want a certain outcome to happen and I'm going to test um, the change in increase in performance. So we should see an increase in performance, an improvement in body composition. And then we're going to implement a protocol of this program and nutrition. And then from there, we're going to gather data and monitor. So we gather the information coming back. And when we monitor, that allows us to either refine, alter, or expand, or reject. The hypothesis so this means intermittent changes of programming and nutrition of the protocol that will manipulate the variables of performance and body composition and this is an infinite loop until we get to the end of constant refining to make this hypothesis work or make the hypothesis or prove the hypothesis right or wrong once we get to the end regardless of whether the hypothesis is right or wrong we have a conclusion the conclusion whether is this right Right, then we know that this happened. But what actually tells you more information is if you're wrong. Being wrong is not bad. Being wrong, you learn more from being wrong than you learn from than, than from being right. If you're uh, wrong, then you know that the whole method was was flawed in some way. Can you investigate why? And you'll need a new hypothesis to study the individual more. What test do you need? What supports this claim? What evidence can you find? to um to support this new hypothesis um so it's, yeah, it's also a good reason to do one thing at a time not try and fix five problems at once then you, you can't really see what actually fixed it or didn't fix it exactly measure one thing measure one thing at a time 
um, uh, so if the variable is an uh, example, if we want to, like with we go, let's go back to the lat problem, isolate the lat, did it work or didn't it work, rather than trying to isolate the lat, warm up the lat, integrate into a movement pattern and just apply everything until something works, you don't know whether the one thing you did worked or, work or didn't work. Same thing with nutrition. If you want to make a manipulation increase, you want to see uh, there's a lack of performance and you want to see if nutrition is an issue. So let's manipulate nutrition. What are the variables nutrition? So we can break it down to calories, macros, micronutrients. Let's try increasing carbohydrates. Um, we increase carbohydrates. Did it have an effect or didn't have an effect? Yes, it did. No, it didn't. If it didn't, all right, that tells you just as much as, as it tells you more um, about something then if something uh, was correct what a, which means maybe nothing to do with nutrition it could be to do with training it could be to do with stress so it proving you wrong makes you look elsewhere makes you delve into, into a deeper. if it's correct cool stick with the idea uh, if it's working then it's working constantly monitor observe and ask questions maybe one point to add onto that is um, needing time for things to show through as well Yes. So yes. it's good to do all this, but if you're constantly changing something every week, mm -hmm. there could be there could be another. And this is why too. you need to when you have your goal, you need to stick to your goal. Um, implemented moderate and moderate changes along the way can happen to to get to the to get to the end goal. But if my goal is to see that fifty kilo total, and I created a plan. You need to stick that plan out to whether to see the plan work. You need to complete the process, the hypothesis, you need to complete them. The method to come to a conclusion, you need to be able to come to a conclusion. And the conclusion is the end result. All right, that is where you conclude. Right, so you have, basically you're running this method under on a million scales. You have your massive scale periodization, you run the scientific method, and then along the way you're running the scientific method for every individual component and let every component see, see time. If you say, I need to see this for about three weeks. Then you need to hold true to that and stick to the whole three weeks before you, before you, before you change it. If you decide all of a sudden, oh, I want to drop the person, I want to drop my calories because they gained too much weight. Let's let's try and understand what's going to occur from that. This is why you have to understand the problem. You have to have a goal, and you have to and how how you're going to solve. It. You can't just all of a sudden drop calories if your goal is performance. Right? Have to keep hold true to the values of. The method. Um, cool. Any last points? Any other one too? I guess I touch on, and it's, it's a it's one that happens every time when people originally seek us out, and you, like I said, they come to you because there's a problem. They're they're obviously not happy, or they're not getting what they want, implementing what they're doing, and the first question they will want is, um, you know, how much does this cost, or um, wanting to know if we do generic programs and all the, like just send me a program, just send me yeah. this or it. And then my first thing I always say to them is, it's not as simple as, or they, they want answers over the phone, for example, or via email um, with very little information. It's like, it all depends. Um, and it seems like we're trying not to answer the question, but it's actually the opposite. We need to know more before we can actually really give some sort of um, hypothesis to what they're happening and what we would actually predict what would actually implement to make this prediction to see if that actually helps them towards their goal that they want to do does that make sense yeah yeah it's a huge difference so that's something that we come across quite oh quite often very very often 
It's not as simple as... There is no one program. No. There is no one magic diet, one program. Every single person is different. Yeah. Every single person is treated like a subject. That initial consult is Mm. is valuable. It's an hour, but it's it's very, very very, 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 very valuable. I'll end on one last, I know one last quote. If your coach doesn't answer you every question with it depends, get a shit coach. <laughs>